Welcome to the Dietitian Collaborative Podcast. I'm Celestina, a chef, dietitian, and total foodie. Each week, I chat with another awesome RD so we can learn a bit more about how diverse our profession really is and how much we can benefit from collaborating with fellow RDs. Have you ever felt inadequate as an RD? Like you weren't actually making a difference in your client's life? I feel like a lot of us have been there, but we don't necessarily like to talk about it, right? Like real talk, why would you want to talk about things that may not be great points in your life? I get it, but I think it's also really important that we discuss this because other people probably experience it too, and it's probably more of a thing than we think it is. So story time, as a young RD Literally like months after getting my RD and like passing the RD exam, I started per diem at the same hospital that I did my internship at. And I never felt like I was actually making an impact in part because people were there in such an acute situation and there was only so much I can do, so much education I could give. But also I started seeing clients one-on-one and I never felt like I had the skill set, like the real full on skill set to be able to help these people make changes in their lives, like sustainable changes, not just like, Hey, like we work together for a month, like cool, figure it out after this, but like legit lifelong changes. And I always said, I wish we had had more psychology in our undergrad. And maybe you feel this way too, but like the one class we got on motivational interviewing was not enough. We talked to our peers awkwardly in front of the classroom and we were like oh mrs jones how are you feeling today and then mrs jones was like i am okay this is what i ate yesterday here is my dietary recall and then you were like oh mrs jones we need to fix x y and z in your diet right like that's some bullshit that is not how real life happens people have emotions that go into it and let's be real a lot of the times people's nutrition habits are very, very, very much tied into how they're feeling emotionally and how they're doing psychologically. So why the fuck don't we have more of a psychological background, more psych training? Because we were told to outsource. And yeah, that's fine for some things, but also like we are talking to these people about food and probably having life-changing impacts on them. So we need to figure out how to come at this with more training, with literally more counseling skills. And I know, I know for a fact I'm not the only person who feels this way because our guest today felt this way when when she first started out. And unlike me, I took, I don't want to say the easy way out. It just wasn't lighting me up. But I left the one-to-one counseling world because that wasn't my cup of tea. But Stephanie, our guest today, was so impacted by this and wanted to make changes and wanted to understand why her clients weren't seeing the results that she had wanted them to see She took a way deeper dive into this, did her master's in this, and is now completing her PhD in this. And I think it's so important for us as RDs to recognize that our skill set that we've learned in our undergrad only goes so far and that it can really benefit us to dive deeper into legitimate counseling skills. And there are so many amazing RDs working in that capacity to help other dietitians, other practitioners learn how to make a more impactful impact. Yes, I think I just used that word as both an adjective and as a verb. 
Anyway, okay, so <laughs> there are so many amazing RDs doing exactly what Stephanie is doing. And Stephanie is like at the forefront of all of this, truly doing the research, truly making an impact in helping RDs get their clients to that next step. So, so I know I've boosted her up a shit ton, but let's dive in a little bit more into what Stephanie is all about. Stephanie Notoris is an accredited practicing dietitian from Australia with a master's in social health and counseling and is currently undertaking a PhD. She's developed, evaluated, and published a counseling skills framework for dietitians and nutritionists to use within their practice and with their clients. So without further ado, let's hop into this conversation as flies on the wall. Stephanie, welcome to the show. I'm so excited that you're here today from across the world. How are you? I'm so well. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I'm doing well. So I like to start out by asking my guests the three most important questions ever. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. One, what is your bucket list travel destination? Any Greek island. Any and all. I love it. Are there any that any you haven't all, been to yes. yet? <laughs> Oh, there's plenty that I haven't been to. So I've only done uh, like the um, east side of it. I'd love to do all the west side islands. I've heard amazing things about them and apparently they've just got a little bit more of that traditional Greek island feel as well, which uh, would be amazing to experience. Yeah, no doubt. That's definitely on my bucket list too. I feel that. All right. Question number two, what is your favorite food of all time? It's so simple, yet just always makes me feel so happy. It's lamb souvlaki. As you can probably tell, I have a Greek background. And whenever (laughs) it is cooked the way that it's meant to be cooked, there is just nothing better. My mouth is, I'm literally salivating. (laughs) So I probably don't put this on blast enough, but I grew up in a very Greek neighborhood in Astoria, like very Greek, very Italian has now transitioned to very Muslim, but like Greek food was like the best growing up. Yep. I've heard that about that area. Yeah. Yep. And I grew up with a lot of Italian influences around me as well, where I am. Yeah. Yeah. There's an Italian saying called una razza, una faccia, one race, one face. Just like speaking of like the Italians and the Greeks, like being very similar. Yes. Yes. I see (laughs) that. Yep. Okay. And then final question. Coffee or cocktails? Oh, coffee all the way. Okay. How do you take your coffee? I just take it as a cappuccino. Oh, nice. That's it. Yep. But I like all coffee as long as it's not too milky so I can still taste the coffee beans. I'm I'm pretty easy. That's fair. That's fair. So not like five-hour-old diner coffee. Like it needs to be something of quality. (laughs) Yes. And it can't be burnt. So they need to like make it like it has to be well-made. Otherwise I don't enjoy it. Cause I really drink it for the taste. I don't drink it for the energy hit. So when it's not done correctly, it feels like a a missed opportunity. (laughs) (laughs) Coffee snob. snob, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. All right. So by your accent, I'm pretty sure that people have kind of grasped that you're in Australia. So I would love to know a little bit about your RD journey and if it's any different from what most RDs have experienced in the States. 
Yeah, sure. So um, in Australia, the way that I got accredited, which is the equivalent to being an RD, is you need to do like a, a Bachelor of Science degree majoring in nutrition and then you either get accepted onto the honours program or the master's program and then once you complete that program which includes the the placement which is what you would call the internship Mm -hmm. uh, then you qualify to become a preliminary accredited practicing dietitian for a year where you need to be mentored by someone who's already gone through the process and pretty much signs you off as being uh, having met certain conditions to practice uh, independently and get that full accredited status. Uh, and then just to maintain it, you need to keep up your 30 continuing professional um, education hours per year. Cool. Okay. Yep. So, so pretty similar. similar. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. I appreciate that. Thanks for clarifying. Well, that's okay. Okay. So your specific journey, where did this start? It sounds like you love food. I don't want to assume, but like, I would love to know like where your journey started and how you became like in this, in, or rather in this field. Yes. Yeah, so it was actually halfway through my final year of high school where I did a switch and decided that I wanted to be a dietitian. So I was actually gearing up to do something completely different up until that point. And then I just sat down and had a really good think about what type of career I would like to have, what I would, what I could see myself doing long-term mm-hmm. and what I thought could bring me more purpose. And I came around to the dietitian degree and I thought this is exactly what I'd like to be doing. And I loved the idea that you can use what you do so many times a day, which is eating, to improve your medical conditions or to reduce the risk of medical conditions. I found that so fascinating and wanted to know more about it in an evidence-based way. So it's it's quite strange because I love food, but I'm not like, I'm not into cooking like all the other dietitians are around us. Like if someone yeah. could cook the way I like my food, yeah. I'd be happy to cancel out that process. <laughs> I just love the food. <laughs> That's yeah. totally fair. Yeah. Okay. So you knew like going in that dietetics was something that was like really aligned with you. I feel like, I don't know, for me, like I didn't know very much about it going in. It kind of just fell into my lap. I was like, I need something more, but I love that you were intrigued initially by kind of all of the ins and outs of what we do every day. Super cool. As I'm I'm assuming like a a late teenager, I feel like that's, I don't know, like very forward thinking of you. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I think um, I don't. I, I just really like. I just really wanted something where I could feel like if I if I worked hard enough for it, I would be able to make a difference. And that just I felt like that could really align with it. I didn't really enjoy the degree very much because it was so science heavy until like the final year. So you're waiting like four or five years to actually put all the science into, you know the human body and how it works for us. So, um, but I, I just knew it would be the best decision for me in the long term. Yeah, totally. Okay. So post-college, what did that look like? Uh, I went straight into clinical and I knew that that was what I wanted to do initially. Uh, so I was very fortunate to find some part-time work initially 
so what we, we call them locums in Australia. They're like um, like casual positions where you're just backfilling someone else that's off. Cool. And then that helped me springboard into like full-time roles. And then from there it kind of went into me specialising more and then going into outpatient services, which I've always preferred to inpatient services and then managing like clinics. Yeah. So, yeah, it kind of like slowly but surely got to got to where I wanted to be. Yeah, I, I feel like that progression of growth is – not necessarily something that's like slow going, but like you really have to be in it to be able to kind of move up. Yeah. At least that's what I've seen in like the clinical space, like working in the States, you have to like be very committed and like make your, like make your goals very well known to do that. Yes. I, I agree. I couldn't agree more with you. And because it's just so competitive as well, there's um, so many people wanting to go into clinical and it's, it's, yeah, the best way to describe it is it's competitive. So you do, you've got, you've got to be very goal focused, but I think also very flexible because if you had told me 10 years ago where I would be today, I probably wouldn't have believed you because <laughs> I'm doing things that I didn't know I would be interested in 10 years ago. Yeah. So I think you do need to have that open mind. Okay. So you were working in these clinical positions and was there an impetus of change, right? Like, so going from that managerial role to now being an entrepreneur, I would love to know what that journey has looked like for you. Yeah. So it's been a very interesting one because without me knowing it subconsciously started in my first year as a dietitian, because I was, went in there bright eyed, so enthusiastic, educating everyone. No one was meeting their goals, like, or some of them were, but you know, they're unicorns. Yeah. And that then I was like, geez, it's, it can't be them. Like something is wrong with my skill set. I don't know how to talk about helping people find their own motivation, helping them get committed, helping them with all these barriers that are so long standing. Like that's what I need. I can't just tell them what to do. So I went back and did my master's of counselling and then the evolution after I finished that degree is what got me in entrepreneurship because I got the opportunity to develop a counselling skills program for an organisation of 50 dietitians and then was able to evaluate it and publish the model that I teach. And then I was, everyone was saying to me, oh, you should keep teaching it. And I thought to myself, yeah, that would be great because I really do enjoy this part of my work, even though it's not officially like in my job description, but I'm like, geez, I'd be really limited if I just keep it face to face. And then I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And then I finally (laughs) thought, okay, I'm reaching a little bit of a ceiling with where I am right now. And I hate restrictions being put on me. It's different if, if I'm putting the restriction on me, but it can't be external. Yeah. And I thought, how can I do this? but do it my way. And then I found entrepreneurship and I've been trying to teach this online now in an online format for almost probably a year and a half now. And it's been really, it feels so rewarding. Like it's hard, it's hard working for yourself and yeah. running a business and working out things that you just have no clue about and you feel <laughs> so not tech savvy, not savvy in anything, but you slowly work it out. And then 
you know, you surprise yourself when you have conversations and you're like, oh, yes, I know that program and I know this program. And yeah, but yeah. so it's been great to be able to take it globally because interestingly, most of my dietitian clients are not Australian. Most of them wow. are US based. Yeah. So I would have never met these people if I didn't take it online and being like being so honored to work with them and have them yeah. learn from me. Yeah. Okay. Let's break all this down. So yeah. I feel like the issues that you were facing as a young dietitian, like not seeing or not seeing your clients have the changes that you want them to see. I feel like a lot of people experience that too. And it's not very well known that like supervision is a thing that guidance from like fellow RDs is a thing. And I, I think that that's maybe changing now, but like Mm. five years ago when I got my RD, I was like, okay, cool. Like I didn't enjoy clinical because I didn't feel like I was making a change. So I can completely understand where you were coming from there. And I always said, I feel like there just like needs to be a psychology component. And like, I did have psych classes, but it just wasn't substantial enough to make the changes. So like, I don't know if you want to sum up your degree in like five minutes, but I would just love to know, like, how did your mindset change when you, when you approached counseling in a different way with the Mm -hmm. patients and the clients that you were working with, like when you were still doing the one-on-one with them? Yeah, that's a great question. No one's ever asked me that before. (laughs) Um, But the answer would be like transformative. That's, that's the one way to describe it. But the, the, what really changed is, so you do your counselling degree and you learn a lot of things about why people behave the way they behave and lots of practical strategies. And from that, I was able to handpick the ones that can be applicable to dietetic practice because when I've done like little short courses in the past, it was always about one model and I was always struggling to put it into practice. Like how do I do yeah. this if, you know, I don't have three hours with someone. I've got one hour if I'm lucky. Yeah. You know, and like and you still have to do your own assessment in the in the process. So it just really made me understand that I needed to slow down. I needed to ask more questions and I needed to have communication tactics that got people interested. Yeah. It's almost like I know people hate the word selling, but you need to you need to sell the purpose of why someone should change. Because, and this is what I really understood at the end of my my degree, that people don't come to us thinking, oh, nutrition is going to change everything in my life and improve it and I'm going to meet all these other external goals. They don't think like that. But the truth is nutrition is the vehicle to what most people want to achieve in their life long term if they achieve that everything else becomes so much more possible so it actually really helped me change my language with the way that I talk about people's purpose their why the value and then that just really changed everything in my career like whatever research I did had to be based on a value that was important to the clients otherwise I'd say no to the research whatever um consults I was having had to have that included and then I was able to go even deeper with you know getting them really involved in the in the consult and exploring barriers which I also still find difficult sometimes and I'm so many years in so I can only imagine like I can relate to how I found it before I did my degree and I was really challenged with talking about barriers because sometimes you're not sure like oh should I should I 
am I going to open up a Pandora's box that I don't know how to manage? And then could I go out of scope of practice? Like there's all these worries that we have to navigate away from just nutrition assessment and education. But when we miss the barriers, interventions won't be as good because we don't know what people are dealing with. So it has helped me. It's completely changed the way that I practice because I still do practice with clients and it's really improved results and um, retention. So like my clinics have gone from like 50% retention to 5%. Sorry, no, 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 no show rates, 50% no show rate to 5% after I implemented all my strategies. Yeah. So we used to have like 50% of our clients wouldn't show up when I first started in one of my clinics. So, you know, it's, um, it just means all these people have more access to dietitians and they're hooked into the process. Yeah. I think a lot of times too, maybe, maybe it's the case there as well, but I know in the States when I was doing a little bit of outpatient, I experienced that like people were being recommended to see a dietitian because their doctor or their nurse recommended it, not necessarily because they wanted that change, right? So mm. we're not necessarily the the low person on the totem pole because we have a lot to bring to the table, but people are typically not open-minded when they're coming to see an RD right off the bat, right? So like yeah. making it a welcoming environment, making it about them. And you're right, like focusing in on their why, their values, similar to business, but like doing it in more of a personal way, like what would this do for your life if you could X, Y, and Z every day, right? Like game changer. So I love that you're saying it's, it's transformational based. And I think that that's always our goal, but most of the time, like without these counseling tips and tricks or tools, it's really challenging for us to get the client there or it can be really challenging. So absolutely. Yeah. And I think then it kind of springboards to when you're practicing in a certain way, that's really aligned to um, what counseling is and how you can apply it to your nutrition consults. It becomes so much easier to get your referrers to recommend in a different way. So the last few years, I've pretty much told my referrers what they need to tell their clients So they come to see me and they have faith in what I'm doing before they get to see me because there's a lot of research into the fact that if the referrer refers a client in a certain way, they're Mm -hmm. more likely to have a greater buy-in to the diet, the whole dietetic consult. So I think once you become a lot more confident in what you can deliver and what you can help someone achieve, you become even more confident with you know, to your referrers, hey, you really want your client to come to see me because whatever I can do with them is going to complement your work so much. Um, So I work very closely with my referrers to make sure that they know the value that I can bring and make sure that they communicate it in the right way. That's such a smart tip because I feel like a lot of times like for diabetes patients or people who are just borderline because their A1C was a little high, they're automatically going in because oftentimes their doctor will be like, no white bread, no white rice. You can't have anything you love. And then they're coming to you and they're like, well, I can't do anything now. And what are you going to tell me? You know? So if you can, if you can work with that referrer to preface it in a brighter light, game changer for that person. Yeah. So that's actually what, um, I'm doing a PhD at the moment as well. And 
<laughs> part of part of it is looking at what outcomes people with chronic kidney disease can achieve from seeing a dietitian before they hit dialysis. Oh wow, yeah. And now I'm interviewing referrers to see what actually makes them refer and what makes them not refer and that's been so enlightening. And then the next step is interviewing clients themselves so we can have a better understanding. I've, I've done this before, but this will be in a bigger scale. Like yeah. What's their experience like with dietitians? What do they want? What are they confused about? What would make them feel more motivated to hook into the process? That's also been really enlightening and I haven't finished all the interviews yet. So it's, it's really interesting to hear about what people think about us from a different perspective so then we know what we need to be doing in our consults and then outside of those consults to get people access to us quicker. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's really exciting. I'm excited to see all of that published. <laughs> oh yeah. Thank you. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Thank okay. you. So now you work most, I mean, you're still seeing clients one-on-one, but then you're also working with RDs to work on their counseling skills because again, this is not something we're really taught and we're kind of just let to go fly by the seat of our pants. Cool. You, you did it for a year. Good luck out there. Yep. So I would love to know, like, what does that look like working with you in this capacity? It's an online program and I do all of the coaching myself. Cool. Um, that's something I'm, that's very true to my heart. I would never want to outsource that. I pretty much teach dietitians the counseling skills that make up like the foundational counselling skills that really should be there in every single consult that most of the time we're missing. And I say that with love because I was missing them too before I knew I was missing them. So I can relate to the way that they're feeling. So we go into what are the foundational components that must be there in order for your consults and your whole service to be conducive to an amazing experience for your client, get them comfortable, get them thinking about change, get them doing it. And then we move on to more advanced techniques and lots and lots of implementation help with um, how to manage all the the fundamentals and then what do you do when um, your clients struggle because it's not a matter of if they struggle, it's when they struggle. And the way that we process, help them process that, the way that we handle that makes makes a really big difference to their retention and their confidence and what they end up following through with. So it's very much a how-to counselling skills program. So I get a lot of dietitians that have done other programs before and they're left thinking, well, I know the what and the why, but I don't really know how to do it when things aren't perfect. And the reality is they're never perfect. So yeah. There's, there's, there's a lot of content that you people like dietitians will learn that's self-paced within the program but then there's I'm there like one-on-one like it's a group setting but there's lots of individualized coaching for the dietitian so they can apply it to their practice as well so that's the model I've been able to create at the moment yeah I yeah. love it I think it's so needed are there any like is there any specific I guess like do you find RDs coming to you at like the one to two year mark, the three to four year mark? Like how deep into the clinical space are people when they're really coming for, for further guidance and further assistance? You know, it's been a range of anywhere between like the first year to 25 years. Oh, wow. Um, So yeah, it's been a really big range because I guess there are more established dietitians that 
feel like they there's something missing for them and or they and they want to feel a bit more fulfilled they want to feel more confident in their skills or they're having a career change like going from perhaps clinical to private practice and they really want to optimize um, that client experience and then there, there are of course a lot of people that are within that that zero to five year mark so it, it's very varied I must say but when I when I actually did this in a in a research component I did find that so the whole cohort found it significantly beneficial that they did the counseling skills program yeah but the zero to fives found it just slightly higher and I think it's because they were just so eager and had never even attended other courses or just really didn't that they lacked more confidence than perhaps the seasoned established dietitians that would have picked up more things along the way and then my program just helped to upgrade everything i can see the value of it as a younger dietitian but i think you're right if you are going through anything transitional and you you want to work with a very specific clientele and especially if it's a more challenging clientele for example like eating disorders right like really honing in on your counseling skills to have them to help them through that as well i could definitely see the benefit Okay. So for the RDs out there who want to work with you, what is the best place for for you to connect, for them to connect with you? Um, They can connect with me on Instagram. Um, My handle is just my name, Stephanie Nataris. And I've also got a free Facebook group, a dietitian's counseling skills community that they can join where um, I'm there to support dietitians with questions they have and deliver regular trainings on, you know, topics that we just get a bit stuck with in our consults. So that would be the two places that where you can find me. I've got a website as well, but you'll probably get in contact with me a lot a lot quicker if you hit me through Instagram or, or Facebook. Awesome. And I will link those in the bio so you guys will have easy access to them. Okay. And then one last question. Are there any RDs in specific niches or any, any RDs really that you would love to connect with and pot- potentially collaborate with? Yeah, sure. So I think um, where my expertise would really would really complement um, dietitians that are in the chronic disease space very well, uh, because I think that is, or anywhere where changes are going to need to need to be long term, or where clients don't necessarily have the most acute of symptoms, because yeah. they're the clients where you struggle the most with, because. They need, it's so much harder for them to stay motivated and committed. But um, just any RDs that really need some help with the client experience, their counselling skills, or if they own a business for RDs where counselling skills come up quite often, would definitely be up for collaborating with them. I've done that in the past and it's been fantastic. That's awesome. And I feel like that's taking it off of social media, right? Like that's taking it to the next level of collaboration, like making some big, meaningful changes within our field as well. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, Stephanie, it has been a pleasure. I'm so happy that you were on today. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate being on your uh, podcast and I love what you do. Thank you. Too kind. All right. Well, until next time, guys. Real talk, guys, we are not given enough education on this. And I think Stephanie just really brings it to light on how much focusing on your counseling skills and your abilities to move clients through those different stages of change 
is so imperative. Let's do a quick recap. One, when working with clients, slow down, ask more questions, explore communication tactics that actually get your clients interested. Two, get the buy-in, focus in on your client's why, their values and any barriers that they may be facing. This is the place to start before recommending any kind of lifestyle changes. And three, educate your referral partners to discuss working with you in a certain way so that your clients will be more likely to have greater buy-in when working with you. Legit, after that conversation with Stephanie, mind you, this was a couple of months ago, but that last reflection really stuck with me, right? Like, how are your referral partners talking you up? Are they talking you up? And if not, how can you educate your referral partners to bring you into a a better light, not as the food police, not as like, oh, well, she's going to tell you what to do, you know? So think that through when you are building these relationships with other practitioners around you, whether it be other dietitians or perhaps other medical professionals, how can they talk, not necessarily talk you up, but how can they put you in a light that is going to already put the clients that you're working with in a better mindset when they're coming to meet with you? Think about that, guys. Alrighty. Well, this one, I don't think mentioned human design at all. So now I need to mention it. Human design, human design, human design. Kidding, but also not really though. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, guys. This is probably one of my favorite parts of the week slash month slash, yeah. Let me know if you dig this episode and obviously like if you want to connect with any of the RDs that you hear on here, I always put their Instagrams down below and their websites if they choose to share them down below. So like you can legit meet with these RDs virtually slash IRL if you want. That's really what I want this podcast to be, a place for connection and a place for RDs to share their stories, their experiences. So we remember that we're not alone on this journey. While our journeys may not coincide exactly with the RD next to us, it's really important to remember that we're not doing this by ourselves. So that's what this is all about. And I hope you guys have an amazing week. Next week, it's going to be a Celestina solo episode. So I hope you tune in for that. And if you really love this show, please share it with your RD bestie. I would really appreciate it. And if you're tuning in right now and you're not driving, I would really appreciate a screenshot. And if you want to share that on Insta with at the Dietitian Collaborative, I would really appreciate that too. Until next week. Ciao.